0: Hey gang, welcome to episode 247 of the No Pristinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro Studio, the No Pro Everything now. Here in Los Angeles, aka the kitchen table, uh, this week on the show we have the creative team behind the upcoming musical "Within Earshot: Anthems for the In Between," uh, which is going to be produced in New York City uh, at some point in the future. When we uh, when we produce things in New York City again, um, this show uh, one of one of our friends uh, brought brought it to our attention. Uh, because this is an uh, immersive staged piece. It will be an immersive stage piece uh, set in a coffee house and uh, th- this is one of those like puzzles, the actual fun puzzles of immersive that I'm really interested in, which is how to take you know the the, the Broadway form and and break it into something that is more like our world. And there have been a few over the past few years Uh, k-pop comes to mind there's other productions that play in this space Uh, but there's a lot of room for exploration a lot of room for growth and for for challenging norms and right now we're in this moment where there's a lot of challenging of norms and indeed the creative team uh has found themselves um Adapting to the current moment, and we're going to get into a lot of that. But today on the show, we've got a uh, composer and lyricist Jackson Teeley. We've got writer Sarah Galante and director Dan Barron, and we're going to have a conversation about both what they, they went in to do and about the moment we find ourselves in right now. And we're going to be tracking this production as it comes to fruition, so... As they get something, more stuff up online. Right now there's a concept album which you can stream on Spotify or on Apple. We'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, But also uh, as we move towards, uh, as they move towards uh, a physical production, uh, hopefully, you know, in the not too distant future. When will all this occur? Nobody knows. Um, And... Uh, No one knows a lot of things, but here's something I do know, which is you are definitely being here for us these days. Uh, And don't run away, just going to do the Patreon bit because I've got some more stuff for you after this. Uh, You're definitely being here for us these days. Uh, This show is brought to you by listeners like you. Indeed, everything we do at No Persinium, the website, the newsletters. All of it is funded. All all the consulting I do, uh, you know, for like people who don't have money, uh, all of the community organizing uh, that happens. This this all gets bankrolled by the folks who give to the Patreon and folks are really stepping up right now, which feels good. Um, I'd, I'd like to say it feels great, but we're, you know, we're still thousands of dollars away from where we need to be to be fully sustainable. But right now in May, just 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 in the past month we've had uh we've had people step up in a big way so i want to say thank you to our latest backers kelly chow chris cloud steve colson david basowick and sarah skversky hopefully i I didn't put your name there sarah also uh heather anderson and sammy henrik Hopala. uh thank you all for jumping in a couple of you jumped in just today a bunch of you jumped in this past week Um, here's what I know. I know a lot of people who listen to the show, like our core audience, you give already, and I really want to spread out like, you know, this, this web we've got. So here's what would help. If you want to help some more, don't give more, get more people into the show. Get more people who are in the community who you know rely upon what we do. Maybe even they hate us. They hate that we exist. Who knows? Uh, but um, they they know if we go away, it's only going to be worse. So um, get them to give too. Uh, bug your friends. We're only looking for two and five dollars a month from everybody. And indeed, as i would like to say if everyone in our biggest channels did that, uh, we wouldn't have any problems. Actually, we'd be we'd be doing we'd be doing well enough that I could start thinking about paying people. The people who help us out, and the people who help us out, uh, folks like Catherine, uh, who is beyond the backbone of what we do at No Prescinium, folks like Will. Catherine, Will, and I are doing this uh, Supernatural challenge right now because of Within Supernatural. We've been uh, using the the app for about a week now. We've been keeping a diary on the website. The folks like the people who review on the site, uh, all of them, uh, and just to be honest, you know, we're very far away from the day when this stops being this weird half hobby, uh, which I treat like a full-time job and uh, turns into something truly sustainable. But we need your help. Um, also, if anyone knows anybody who could sponsor in a real sense, we the doors are open for that. All right, that's enough of that. Here's something fun uh, that you should know about. Uh, there is another podcast that uh, you should check out in this time of ours. It's a limited series podcast. I believe it's only going to have 8 episodes total. They just did a few interviews. It's called the 88 Names podcast and it's with Matt Ruff, who is the author of Lovecraft Country. Oh man, my words. Lovecraft Country. Something you think I'd be able to say with more Oh my god, I'm honestly my words aren't working. I'll explain why in a minute. Um Lovecraft Country which is coming to HBO as a series uh which was produced by Jordan Peele and JJ Abrams and the trailer dropped today and looks amazing uh that's an adaptation of Matt's book of the same name Lovecraft Country and he's got a new book 88 names and this podcast dives into some of the themes behind the new book he's got uh Blake Collier who's film critic and a freelance journalist helping him out on this show And I'm a guest on the show uh, talking about immersive stuff and we had a really great conversation and uh, I listened back to the episode because we recorded it in the before times and I wanted to remember what things were like and what I said and was it embarrassing because now things are different. And you know what? It holds up. I'm quite proud of it. Uh, And it made me feel good about things. And then I came back home and things were awful. Um, So... You should check it out. Uh, there's also a lot of other great guests on. Joanna Popper's a guest. Cory Doctorow of Boing Boing, who also, of course, uh, his debut novel was Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom, which is seminal. Um, all of just 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 a really fantastic conversations, and uh, I I feel so lucky to be part of it. And uh, Troy heard uh, hook that up a long time ago, and so thank you, Troy. Um, It was it was a fantastic day when we got to do that. And it was it was very much in the way we're doing now and that I was sitting here talking to people over the Internet and now that's all we do. And we still managed to have a great conversation. Uh, And indeed, we're having great conversations in this form. So the 88 names podcast, check it out wherever podcasts are found. So whether you listen to this on uh, Apple or on Stitcher or whatever, it's there now. Back around to within earshot's anthems for the in between. There is, as I mentioned, a concept album. Did I mention? I think I mentioned there's a concept album out for the musical. Uh, So the music has has been, uh, not all of it, but a chunk of the music has been unleashed into the world. And you can find that on Spotify and you can find that on Apple. So if you want to, you could pause the podcast right now, go listen to the songs, get a sense of what the musical is, and then come on back and listen to this conversation we recorded just last night. Well, well, when I'm recording this right now. I mean, who knows? You could be listening to this a year from now. We still recorded it last night. Time is magic. Magic is time. I just want to thank everyone for joining us uh, for this edition. This is This is exciting to me because we don't, often get the chance to follow uh, a project from pre-production th- into production and that's something we're going to be doing with within in shot which is a new uh, immersive musical which is coming to fruition um and i'm going to let all of you describe it because I will I will do a horrible job of describing it and you're working on it. So it makes a lot more sense for you all to. Um, but of course, because of the, the uh, galactic moment we find ourselves in, uh, there's also course corrections and changes and transmorgifications as everyone sort of figures out how to keep the creative flow going. So joining me today on the show are Dan Barron, who is the director. Hi, Dan.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: all right uh, jackson tealy who is the composer and lyricist hello jackson hey there and sarah galante i got that right sarah
2: galante yes
0: galante good I, i'm terrible with names it's also <laughs> why i have everyone say the name beforehand so when i actually do the thing uh, who is who who wrote the book for the show so um, one of you can tackle this one uh, what is within weird English third language. <laughs> what is within earshot?
3: I think he just renamed it within weird shot, and
0: I love that. Frankly, <laughs> what I'm, into it? I'm like, why? Why is it? Yeah. Um, anyway, but <laughs> that's yeah, well, a sequel. Uh, that's a sequel.
3: It's a okay. sequel. We're this. We're living in the golden age of musicals, where the musical sequel is coming back <laughs> into fashion.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, Love Never Dies, after all. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, Within Earshot um, is just a, it's a musical that's set inside of a New York coffee coffeehouse. Um, and it takes place over the course of just a day, um, specifically February 15th, a.k.a. Singles Awareness Day. Um, and it takes place over the course of this day where the barista of this establishment is very is very down very blue very dyspeptic about love and the world and is basically listening into these stories that are within earshot of them of trying to just glean a lesson about love about what love really is and what love like kind of means in the modern age and the validity of love um, and that's my elevator pitch. <laughs> How did I do?
2: It's a great elevator pitch. Thank
3: you, Sarah.
0: <laughs> now we're talking with you all today because the the structure for the show, as as you're envisioning the production of it, is correct me if I'm wrong to you know set it up as a coffee house, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah it's um, it's an immersive musical, so you know you will be experiencing this piece in. The coffee shop in which you know in which it takes place you know when we were when we were developing the 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 title within earshot you know one of the one of our ideas um was to you know name the co- the coffee shop earshot whether or not that actually sticks is is you know something to be seen because you know you're seeing us very much in in a transitional period right now, um, with a, with a lot of our ideas, but yes, so you'll be in the in the coffee shop um, experiencing these other characters in the coffee shop.
0: Why? Why did you want to do this to yourselves? Like, I'm someone who I'm someone who loves, you know, immersive. Obviously, the whole show is, but every time I see someone jump in the space, there's a part of me that's like, all, "Oh, you seem like such nice people. Why would you do this to yourselves? Uh, what's the allure of of taking this format on?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think, think that. Oh, go ahead, oh. Dan.
1: No, no, no. You take it, Sarah. Okay, I'll jump in. Uh...
2: I think that theater making can obviously be done in a myriad of ways and in a myriad of venues. But I think that our musical is going to be received the best in an intimate setting, not in sort of this enormous proscenium space where you feel this massive distance from the characters. I think we've worked really hard to develop the type of characters that everyone can relate to in some way. And I think by having this intimate space and being able to interact with them in a real and genuine way, rather than just sort of, you know, sitting politely in your seat and watching the plot unfold, really feeling like you're a part of this story is something that's really important to us in the development of the show.
1: Yeah. And I, I, and I think it, you know, um, it's always been kind of a dream of ours to actually have it immersive. Um, and you know, when you're developing a new musical, you sometimes have to have a producer's hat on in terms of what makes this piece unique. Um, and, and this was certainly some something that, um, there's, there's been not a lot of immersive new musicals, um, in in New York City. So this was kind of a go-to thing for us. And I think talking about the piece um, as a whole, one of the core themes is, you know, everyone is is in this in-between space. They're all um, they're all in search of connection. You know, connection takes many many a form. Whether it's brothers and sisters bonding, whether it's you know you're looking for your your soulmate, but everyone is looking for connection in this piece. And there's something to be said about an audience member experiencing, experiencing this piece not on a stage, but rather on the same plane as the actors experiencing it. And from, from a director's point of view, there's a lot of payoff of having an audience member, you know, viewing this piece, but also seeing other audience members viewing the piece as well. So it becomes this, it becomes this meta, meta thing where, you know, you're watching these characters in search of connection, but you're also connected to your fellow audience members taking in this piece.
0: It's really good to hear you say that because I've, I've seen some pieces of, you know, I wouldn't even call it like immersive theater, but I've seen pieces that have been adapted into a, uh, immersive light, or done uh, in in kind of a, you know, in the round-ish, or sort of the worst one I call the sidelines construction, where it's like, <laughs> there's you're in a small room, and there's an audience on one side, and an audience on the other side, and then the actors are playing down down the middle, like they're on a playing field, uh, and it can be painful, because you can watch, I literally watched uh, the audience on the other side for one show, like, fall asleep um, uh. <laughs> during the show. We didn't review that show, and then and then the people because I was just like, this is a nightmare. And the producers were like, "Where's our review? Where's our review?" And I just said, "Like, do you really want me to, to write the review?" where I said that people were falling asleep <laughs> on the other side. Like, do you really want? Because that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll do that <laughs> for you, you know. But like, think about it. They 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 stopped asking for the review after that. Um, that is is a quintessential thing, right? Like you you've got to be conscious of the other people in the space, even if they don't have a lot of agency. I mean, you're, you're in this, you're in a moment right now where you're, you're, you're developing and modifying. Uh, how are you conceiving of the, the the limits of the audience's agency right now? Cause I hear in in what you're talking about, um, you know, being on the physically on the same plane and, and also you're interacting. So sort of, you know, not that you're married to anything at the moment, but like, what do you see the role of the audience in here? Because there's a lot of different flavors to that in immersive.
3: Hmm. I think the, the, the thing about this show and one of the most important aspects of this show, um, like it's these vignettes that are these vignettes over the course of this day about these people who are struggling with something having to do with being able to connect with others, being able to connect with themselves, being able to, express love in the way that they want to express it but the 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 lens that you see all of this and that i like to think about that you're hearing all of this because it's all within earshot of you is through the barista character and the way and the barista and the audience in my head or in my dream of what this production looks like the barista and the audience are are like on the same team like and the barista is helping the audience Sort of navigate where they look and how how what how they're supposed to be interacting with this show and especially like interacting in the space and because we still you know it's going to evolve I'm sure but right now we're very much thinking about the in how much the audience is interacting with the piece because when you think about a cafe it's not like It's not like this show is a house party or something that involves involves movement involves social interaction the whole point of sort of setting this in a cafe is that and this part of the moral of the story is how we're together but separate we're insular at our own tables yet we are so close that we can hear overhear all of these conversations and there's a lot of room to to just do traditional theater of just people sitting at their tables, sipping on coffee and sort of watching other stories unfold or, you know, like peeking in. But then there are opportunities to sort of let what the show is trying to tell you about connectivity influence how the audience behaves in the space. And I think that's part of what I'm excited to sort of develop um, when when we're allowed to be in spaces together. <laughs>
0: Dan is—is is that one of the ways you're thinking about the the relationship of the audience to the space to the performers, about sort of what the what what behaviors you know you're you're willing to play with there? Yeah, the I think you.
1: Yeah, you go, Dave. Yeah, I I mean I think you know obviously what one of you know my main my main roles is to is to take care of of, of the audience so. Um, and, and I think that, that, yeah, the, the, the role of the, the audience in this is we're towing this line between obviously, you know, traditional, traditional musical theater where you're just watching, but does that relationship change when you're having an actor, you know, maybe you're sitting at a table and the table next to you is this, is this scene where, you know, uh, someone is being broken up with and, and what does that how does that affect your um, your as the audience member's point of view of the of the show? Are you going to be following that person more because you were much more in a vicinity of of that that character's kind of journey? so it's it, it's really fun for for me as a director to experiment with a piece like this um, where there's so so much. Um, that you can do in in you know a space that is designed for for this show, which is like the most exciting thing.
0: Yeah, be be able to play in a custom space is probably like the most fun a director can have.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I've done so many shows where I've you know gone to a theater and you know six months out I get you know, my spec sheet of, of what, you know, what the, what the tracking looks like, what the, you know, stage, what the proscenium is, everything like that for my, from a scenic designer. And then, you know, I, I have to build a show that kind of fits in this box. And in this scenario, we're kind of flipping that on the, on its head. And I, I'm able to build a show with my, you know, with my amazing collaborators and then find a box that fits that, which is awesome.
0: All of this is sort of in suspended animation, at least this part of it. But you did just release a concept album in the past couple of weeks.
3: We sure did, and we're very, very <laughs> excited, and, very excited, and happy about it.
0: Um, why? Why take that step? Right? like for for because there's there's people who listen to the show who are like familiar with like the development process of musicals and 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 of, you know Broadway and off-broadway and everything but there's also folks who may become more from the gaming side and they they have a concept of you know things like uh, early access so I, I wonder if you could kind of like let us in on what the thought process of of this as part of the development of the show is
3: well something that we're with a show that is so there's a simplicity to to this show that I love because it lends itself to exactly what we've been talking about. It lends itself to this one location, to this ability to sort of storytell in out of the box ways. Um, So that simplicity is, yeah, is a treat, but also, um, Things are dinging. Can you hear me?
0: Oh yeah, no, we're fine. Oh, perfect. I don't hear S-
3: sorry. That's yeah. um, right. But um, yeah, the the simplicity the simplicity of the show um, is something that's really important to it. But something that also helps highlight that is the sort of power behind the music um, that has been created for this piece. And the music, to me, feels like. An enormous selling point of what the ultimate piece is it is something where all of these facets of something immersive and something that you can you know go and have a cup of coffee and then watch the show it all sort of at the end of the day it's like and then you get to listen to these very anthemic um pieces that i hope move people and my experience is that i've you know, seen people get very moved in different ways by this music, which is obviously as the writer of it, it really thrills me. And our thought process behind releasing some of the music was sort of ramping up that excitement as something to market the piece, because ultimately I think it's going to be an integral part throughout the entire life of this thing. And it was something that we produced back basically in the fall and we've You know we've been we were sitting on it and we were making plans of how to release it and making plans around you know it's like we can't release it beyond april 15th because the like then the tonys get loud (laughs) in the press and all all these things and then obviously all of this happened and it basically changed it changed all of our lives and it changed our plans for the show and this album but it was sort of it was kind of a pleasant it was a pleasant surprise finding ourselves in this situation, and then realizing that we had already done content that was able to be released digitally, which is the thing that we're seeing all artists around the world and in all of our communities um, striving to do: is continue to create and you know share via the digital realm. And I think that's it was it was just a, a good confluence of timing. Um, and also like the ability to use, use the music and, um, you know, the first week of proceeds for the album went to the Actors Fund, which has been doing amazing work, trying to keep everyone on their feet and help, and just being able to even help in the littlest way, um, throughout this crisis, it's been, it's been really joyful for me.
0: The moment we find ourselves in also finds people not only you know looking to release whatever they've got digitally, but also to start asking questions about how you can connect with audiences and how you can keep on telling stories in the moments with a tool set you're not necessarily familiar with. Uh, I wonder if you could talk if there's if there's any thought to, as you build up excitement for you know the final show, for the full show about other approaches uh, if there's things that you're noodling on in terms of how to start exploring this the these other ways of of um, building out the world
1: yeah I mean it kind of it kind of feels like the wild wild West in terms of we're doing everything non-traditional we're doing it in a non-traditional space where I you know we're you know starting the marketing you know campaign if you want to call it that non-traditionally by you know releasing all this content and not having you know audience members wait for a cast album you know a month and a half after after opening and press has reviewed it um so so all cards are, are are kind of on the table you know we've had we've had conversations about you know potentially having you know parts as an audio play is that is that something that we we want to explore you know the music is so listenable and and you know sarah and jackson have created these characters that just you know live so much out of the page that is that something that um we can we can do and i and i think for us we've just been excited about you know doing everything and kind of you know breaking the rules if you will um and, and especially you know releasing all this all this you know digital content it 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 has shown that you know shows are are now living on a digital platform more than ever you know it's not enough to pay a million dollars for a for a billboard in times square to to mm. get people into your door it's about how you interact with um with your audience before the show after the show during the show so so yeah every every kind of digital element um of the show will be, will be kind of taking, taking its place in the next, um, you know, few months as we start, you know, this phase, if you will, of, of brand recognition um, of the, of the piece and kind of starting to build this arsenal of, of people that know, know the piece. Cause you know, when tickets go on sale, they'll be the first ones um, hopefully fingers crossed, um, to, to get a ticket and, and start, you know, the word of mouth, which is how, you know, these new musicals become hits, if you will, um, is still, is still by word of mouth. Now to get that word of mouth, you still have to pursue, you know, different, different ways of getting, of getting butts in the seats. And it's all digital now.
0: Sarah, as as the writer of the book, how does your role, kind of modify or, 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 or a change in, in a space where you know traditionally you know you, you you'd write the book and like that's what the writer needed to do and now there's well is it going to be a audio drama or are there other others extension of the characters, um, how how is your role changing and is that is that a challenge you're relishing or or the opposite? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's definitely a challenge um, that I think we're all taking day by day. I mean, I'm really lucky to have the opportunity to work with with my writing partner, Jackson, not only because I think he's very talented, but because we've been close friends for a long time. Um, so collaborating on that front, both in terms of creating this show and with coming up for ideas of what it's going to be, feels easy because our collaboration feels easy. Yeah. Um, in terms of it shifting to something like, you know, an audio play or a musical that's presented via podcast segments, sort of like what they did with the 36 Questions musical, um, yeah, it would definitely be a challenge. It's not something that I've gotten into depth too much. Um, I haven't started rewriting it for just an audio experience. Um, but as a writer, it's always exciting to take on new challenges. And I think that the development of this piece, I mean, Jackson and I have been working on this piece for two years. Um, So it has shifted immensely throughout that time. I mean, it almost feels like it's a new musical than it was two years ago. Um, So I would be excited to sort of tackle that and take that on, um, you know, as the time comes. It's hard for me to, to, you know, make plans and move forward when it's When it feels like, you know, I'm sort of living in Groundhog Day and I wake up every day (laughs) and I'm like, oh, this is still happening. And, you know, it's hard to am I supposed to be losing hope for live performance? You know, there's just I think I was talking to a friend about this, but I think as a society, we're so used to getting an immediate answer to all of our questions all the time. We can just like look it up on our phone and know what's going to happen or know what the answer is. And that's just not the case here. Um, And certainly not in New York city, obviously, where it's sort of the epicenter of this crisis. Um, And so it's hard, it's definitely hard to, you know, plan in any real way when we just have no idea how long this is going on and how to make the right decision here in terms of this piece.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you're not alone in that moment. I mean, having conversations with so many creative folks and and even in our, our own planning about, you know, the kind of events that we're looking to do uh, and we're looking to do right beforehand, um, just trying to figure out not even, like, what the new normal is going to be or is this the new normal but just you know i was in a i did like a i sat in on like an online seminar that was aimed at theater company owners who were dealing with donors and there was a most of it was like not really for me but there was a section right at the beginning that was really dialed in and the person presenting it was talking about how you know. The moment we're in right now is not the new normal. It's the raw now. And we're all just trying to figure out how to survive because things are changing and we're constantly adapting because every day there's new information. And the thing that's that's kind of funky and and it it's sort of funky to like I was listening to something that we recorded in what I call the before times just a few weeks before this all started to happen. And seeing that there are some sort of threads even back then about just you know, what, what doing the work um, does in, in, you know, in, in, a, in a macro sense and how there's so much of that work to be done. So finding ways to just link those impulses that were already there, like the thing that we wanted to do when we wanted to make something at all to the tools we find ourselves being stuck with or granted and also thinking about well what could what could live beyond like maybe it can make the piece stronger um mm-hmm. or or needing to focus in on the stuff that's essential which is the characters the stories the relationships particularly for intimate work
3: and that is the i mean especially when like people have asked me that question that you asked a little while ago, like uh, several people have of like, why did you release this now? And I think it's both a combination of it is, it is sort of a new approach to sort of release music before, before people have seen the show or even if the, like the show is completely finished. Um, but also like, why did you do this now? And the only answer I can give is like, because, because that's what we like chose to do. And I, because the the moment and the days that we've been living through influenced that decision of just like, it's, this is, we've got it. And we, why don't we spread a little joy by just releasing it and not really, not like give it thought and be premeditated, but don't overthink it. Because especially when you're releasing just fun musical theater pop songs, it's like, this could bring people joy in dark times. And it could potentially raise money for good causes and i think this the influence that this moment in time is having on all of us but also just having on artists and people who who have a second language of how they communicate which is through their art it's you can you just have to sort of let the, the 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 crisis let the sadness let whatever is coming through you just sort of influence what you do next because none of us know what is coming next the only control you have over is like what you can make what you can put out into the world and hopefully how you can help a little bit and that's you know with, with this album and hopefully with this show in the future i hope i hope that like the lessons we're learning right now are a huge influence on what the
0: piece is hmm sarah you wanted to add in there
2: No, I I mean, I just agree with what, what Jackson has said. And I think that this time, you know, even outside of art making, but just as a human being has really put everything into perspective and really reminds you what is important. And I think that the things that we're going to learn about this show... And when we really dive into rewrites and further development on this piece, like it's going to be impossible for our writing and our creating to not be impacted by what we're living through right now. It's yeah. just not possible. Um, and, you know, the importance of connection and intimacy and kindness and caring for one another, I think, are all things that are seen in the piece already. But are things that I personally have found are the most important aspects of my life. And as an artist, you know, a freelance artist living in New York, who before this was working seven days a week, nonstop all the time, it was really, really easy for me to forget that. And I think that, you know, as horrific as this time has been, it's also been really, really eye-opening and helped me sort of recenter myself and remember what's important.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like the stakes have just been universally raised mm. in like every vector of our society and culture. And I mean, for me, a lot of this has been about coming back to the simple things and the core things um, and, and the fundamental stuff. And that's been, you know, weirdly nice in some ways to kind of like find myself grounded in a a way I wasn't before. But just knowing like across the board that, you know, everyone is having to reckon with this moment and kind of are are being collectively tested uh, and, and what that's revealing about what's what's what we need, not just what we want, but what we need. And it's good to know that, that, um, you, you know, that the, the show, you know, that you, you want to examine what you've already set into motion in the light of this.
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Dan, I'm wondering, um, as, as someone's, as, as the director, as someone who works in space, uh, I mean, we all work in space. How daft! <laughs> <that>? How daft <laughs> did that just? I'm an um,
1: astronaut, actually.
0: You're an astronaut. Oh, even better. Major, major uh, ground control. Um, I work in space. How? How? I mean, are you? It's it's unavoidable to like sort of think about like you know as you know, when things start to come back online. Um, are you anticipating it to be? Harder to find a space to drop this into once once everything kind of clears out uh, putting aside whether or not people are 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 concerned about gathering again because I think that's this weird double-edged Sword where there's a lot of people who are concerned and then there's like a whole bunch of other people who are just super eager to like Crawl back all over each other and these things are in intention uh, I, I guess the, I'm I'm trying to ask the question without being too cavalier uh, you know will the will the new york market support not from the consumer side but from like the infrastructure side doing a piece like this right now yeah or i mean when things um, come back online i guess not right yeah now, we've obviously. had Duh.
1: right so we we've had conversations already about you know the planning for you know what what's happening in the next you know few months what's happening in the next you know year and you know once you know once it's safe for us to to go you know on outside and and back to new york city as as you know jackson and i are up in massachusetts um i we were having conversations with um with one of our producers about how um retail as a whole was you know really hit hard by um, by the the shutdown if you will and sat as sad as that may that that is it only actually helps us because yeah. now we have a lot of people and a lot of spaces that need to be filled so you know before this we may have had our pick of you know maybe a dozen, Spaces that really worked, but now with with you know the New York market as it is, we're we're you know cautiously optimistic about finding you know I, I keep on calling it the box, but you know that space that um, you know really really fits the shell, and you know it is a conversation with um, with you know the design team of of you know how many people are we gonna want you know, Mm. is it going to be more approachable if it's 99 seats versus, you know, 299? Is that, Mm. is that a, you know, a a good approach to start, you know, smaller as, as we're still kind of digging ourselves out of this hole that, that we're kind of all in right now. So I, I think it's, I think it's about finding, finding that happy medium with the space that, you know, potentially can start smaller and and hopefully this thing, you know, gains gains traction and, and potentially we can expand, which would be which would be amazing. Um, but never, ever expanding to a point where you lose the intimacy of the of the space. So. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're as a team, I think, cautious, cautiously optimistic about move, uh, actually finding a space in the city, which. Um, talking from a real estate perspective in New York City, I think you would think I was crazy to say that it was optimistic.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, that's the weird thing about this moment is that so much has been turned upside down. And you know, when things get going again, you know, there's, there's a real way. I always think about how in London there's theater delicatessen, which you know, goes into unused or spaces that are in transition and does runs of shows in there, gets artists to come in and and programs it in. And then, you know, then the, then the buildings get sold and like the, you know, moves on to the, to the next. And that we may find ourselves in particularly in the larger cities in a place where there's suddenly a lot more retail spaces that were open. Um, And, just needs to get you know b- blood flowing again uh, through the veins of the city and that there's an advantage for the intimate immersive work that you know a 500 seat Broadway theater a thousand seat theater isn't the same prospect as oh we're gonna go out tonight and there's gonna be 45 people there's gonna be 99 pe- 99 people um, it's just there may be a a this slow ramping up, uh, and that might even come from a regulatory standpoint. Like there may literally just be like you can't have a gathering larger than X. I mean, I know that's that's what they're doing in other parts of the world, sane parts of the world. Um, so yeah, this just um, all these all these what I call fun puzzles, these unknown <laughs> scenarios um, that are that are creative challenges. Um,
1: totally, and it's and I, I think it's about having having potential plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and so on and so on. Um, and that's what I what I love about our producing team, um, uh, Laura Barquette, um, our our producer, um, is we started these conversations and we've started to kind of talk about okay if if x happens what is what's happening here okay if this thing happens where are we um where, where does that kind of put our oh, our plan our trajectory so so it's it, it's start the ball started to you know roll as i think a lot of you know you know people politicians in our government are talking about the the reopening and, and what does that look like
0: let me I, end on this note uh, with this question. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, having alternate plans and, and trying to shapeshift. Uh, and I'll shoot this one to Jackson, Sarah. So, with the knowledge that you know what was what was true a few months ago may not be true a few months from now, what do you hold on to? What's what's the thing uh, that you 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 latch onto and don't give up? No matter what, even, even with all the things you learn, what's, what's the heart here to keep you going? The
3: heart of the, like, what about the show? Yeah. Is. That's a good question. I mean, there's so much about the show that is so near and dear to my heart and a lot of it has to do with what has always sort of like some, some, some aspects of the show have just come out of my own irritation with with not just like the theater business, but just like the b- business of of like m- any media, like m- movies, TV, um, of, it has to do with like representation. And in my head, like in my head, seeing groups of people represented properly and joyfully and in my head on the stage has always been something that really makes my heart sing. And it's something that has influenced a lot of the new music that has gone into this show and and but like you know if there came a day where it was like we need to like i this is not going to happen because I'm just going to say that it's not, and hopefully that'll 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 come into fruition but if there like came a day where it was like, yeah, theater is not gonna we can't do theater for the next for for years what are you what what do we what do we make how do we adapt the show? There's plenty of ways I we could adapt the show into something else. It could be in like a uh, strictly audio experience, it could be a, you know, an at-home visual experience, but at the end of the day it needs to stay intact of what we're representing and the people we're representing and the validity and joys of love no matter who you are. And that can be done in many ways. So, who's to say?
2: yeah I think that Jackson really hit the nail on the head there specifically with the aspect of joy that I think is very clearly seen in this piece, and I think is also very accurately accurately represented in a lot of the tracks that you can listen to of our concept album. Um, obviously, because the show is set up in vignettes, you're introduced to a ton of different characters from all different life experiences. Um, but some of the characters that I have grown to love the most and have had the most fun developing and writing have been some of the queer characters in this show who are shown, you know, on stage or on the page or, you know, uh, from listening to in a very celebratory way. Um, And as a queer artist and writer that is always something that I aspire to do and something that I feel is greatly lacking in a lot of media. I feel like a lot of queer love stories often result in tragedy. Um, And that's not the story that we're here to tell. Um, And that's something that is monumentally important to me and something that I think can be showcased in any way, whether that's, you know, in a coffee shop or via a YouTube video or, you know, a, a podcast musical or listening to our album. I think that that feeling of of joy and celebration about these connections um, is really clear within our piece. And that's something that really keeps me going throughout all this.
0: Well, I can tell you in no uncertain terms that some joy and celebration is definitely the vibe that That we need around these parts in general. Uh, You mentioned again uh, the concept album, so we we can close on that note. If if folks are curious at this moment, uh, how can they check out? Like, where can they? I know the answer, but where where can they find (laughs) the concept album right now?
3: Uh, The concept album is streaming on all platforms. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, um, and yeah, it's the the album is called is just the name of the show within earshot anthems for the in between. Um, and you can find us at, you can find more information at our website within earshot com If you feel
0: so inclined. All right. Well, Dan Jackson, Sarah, we are going to keep an eye on the show and on the development of the show. Uh, so we'll, we'll check back in, in a couple of months, one way or another and see where things stand and i encourage everyone to go uh go check out on their on their platform of choice uh i I listen to it on apple music uh it's easily shareable on spotify as you mentioned and uh yeah i'm so glad you joined us in the discord today
2: thanks so so much for having us
1: thanks it was amazing
0: Once again I want to thank Jackson Sarah and Dan for being our guests on the show today check out the show notes to find links to everything we've talked about today that's it that's the show uh, I'm a little wild and fried right now uh, not because of uh, the supernatural workouts which have uh, which we've gone in depth on that so if you want to know what's going on there uh, check that out we'll also be talking about that pretty sure on uh, the team speak over on the the uh, the Patreon only podcast uh later this week next week early next week early next week i i've got a there've been construction dudes at the apartment all week long they're doing cosmetic stuff on the building cuz the, the owner and the building manager decided they wanted to paint during the pandemic because you know those both start with p i don't know um, i'm exhausted because it means I'm not getting uh, my recommended 19 hours of sleep a day. Because I am a teenager at heart and in practice, um, no, uh, no, I'm just I'm exhausted because they're waking me up like an hour earlier than I normally wake up, um, and it's not like I can sleep earlier. It just it, I, I don't work that way, and uh, it's just you know stressful. I. I I found a way to, you know, there's, they're they're on lunch break right now or something like that, which is why I'm, I'm recording right now while they're not making noise with power tools uh, next to the kitchen or something like that. Uh, it has slowed down our entire production process here on my end, and that was frustrating because we just hit a groove. So I'm cranky as fudge right now. Um, there's There's just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> my brain doesn't work this week, and that frustrates me. There's no column in the newsletter this week because of this. Um, there is the diary. There's a bunch of reviews on the site. Things are getting interesting. There's fascinating conversations are going on. I've got a bunch of reading to do about looking at you know what what other countries have done when it comes to like bringing their theater worlds back online and you know stuff that's going on over at Harvard and yada yada yada. There's just there's just a ton of stuff to keep track of. And actually, something that really helped today. Or is going to help is over. I, I've 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 gotten kind of into a lot of old habits. Okay, those include egos, Hawaiian rolls, chocolate and peanut butter, and reading *Daring Fireball*, which I haven't read in in some number of years. Mostly because I stopped caring about the Mac as like a thing. I stopped being so obsessed with the tech press that uh, I didn't care about like whatever design adaptations Apple was making. Uh, I just, I just couldn't be that level of, of nerd anymore. But once in a while uh, I would dip in and because uh, design nerd stuff is, is a thing I really enjoy. And I'll put this in, in the uh, the links too. Anyway, today on Dairy Fireball, uh, John Gruber linked to this uh, design process squiggle. And it's something that he hadn't uh, encountered uh, before. and was sort of surprised that he had encountered before. It's called the Newman design process squiggle. And, um, it's it's just this squiggle that visualizes the design process, and maybe I'll no I'll link it. I don't want to I don't want to steal the image, uh, but I have now made it the background of one of my desktops because it kind of just put me at ease when it comes to some of the stuff that you know we're we're trying to figure out what to do and. Uh, which way to take things and there's options and I'm feeling, you know, often disoriented because um, I'm a man of intellectual action. You could say, someone's going to hold that against me. I don't care. Um, And just, you know, the compass is not reliable right now. You know, it points, it it points to a different North all the time. It's like, it feels like the magnetic poles have just are flipping and and just going, going crazy. And um, this squiggle, um, I don't want to say normalizes that, but this squiggle gives the uh, the guidance. It's uh, the compass by which we can understand the compass. Uh, it shows that uh, the chaos is part of the process. And so that helped out. Uh, there was also a uh, seminar I dropped in on this week that was aimed at, I think I mentioned it in the... I think I maybe mentioned in the podcast. Um, the thing about the raw now. Yeah, I think that, that came up in the podcast. Maybe maybe that that was like pre-show stuff. I don't know. I do not listen back to the episodes uh, before I put them out. I think we all know this by now. Anyway, uh, I was in this seminar in case I didn't go over it. I was in this seminar uh, uh, that was set up for, um, it was aimed at theater companies trying to figure out how to deal with their donors in this period of time. And it was uh, set up by uh, LA Stage Alliance. And... The guy they had talking, uh, he he presented this this really useful rubric, which was one: this is not the new normal. Uh, the new normal comes after this. Uh, what we're in right now is the raw now, and surviving's good enough. And there's just a lot of you know processing information and reorienting and you know figuring out what you need to do to make it. And that that gave me. That gave me, you know, something to to hang my hat on right now, because I'm I'm definitely feeling that raw now. And every time I get into a groove, something comes along and upends that Apple card. And there has not been a week of this uh, nonsense, this monstrosity, where um, I get like two or three days into like finally like okay, I've got the headspace. All right, now I'm doing this. Okay, good. I'm I'm reading or oh, oh we've got this rhythm of work, and then something else comes along. Something that is outside of of my control uh, upends. Whether it's something with my mom's health, which uh, you know is chaotic on its own, uh, this thing with the workmen um, dealing with the bureaucracies, not knowing where the 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 money is coming from, etc. Um, and that that takes a massive psychological toll. Uh, and I don't say that as like pity me. Wah. I say this like. You're going through it too. And I know you're going through it too because we're all going through it. And there's almost no way uh, that we're not going through this. Some small number of us are doing real good, and they're just like, oh man, this moment is like great because I can come back to my center and whatnot. You probably own your property, <laughs> uh, number one. Number two, uh, you, you might be uh, in an office job that you're working from home and your company's you know doing fine. I think a lot of the people listening to this show uh, are not in that condition at all. So this one goes out to you. Um, remember, this is not the new normal. This is the raw now. And we have the opportunity and it's hard and it's not our responsibility but we have the opportunity and maybe together we can find a way to make a better normal after all this. Okay. That's something I want us to I want you to think about and maybe hope for is that a better day is coming and uh, what we have to do to get to that better day and how we're going to get to that better day. I don't know. Um, but thinking back to the the process, the the, the design squiggle, we're not supposed to know. If we knew, then we could feel guilty about not doing the thing. So don't feel guilty that you're not doing the thing because we don't know what the thing is yet. <laughs> I, there's some, that's some honest maniacal laughter there. It's like, we don't know. We've got to try out a lot of different things. So uh, there's a lot of chaos in the moment, and I know we want to get to that design, and I know we want to get to building. I mean, I am I'm definitely that person as I often say, just give me something to hit. I don't, I don't mean literally hit, but just like, give me a target. Like tell me what, point me in the right direction. Um, and I will, I will go do the thing. Let me do the thing. Um, and there's, there's sometimes it's a real relief to kind of drop back into like, well, what is the thing? And let me figure out the thing. But uh, that's really great when it's on your own terms. You know, we're not on a retreat. This is not a sabbatical. This isn't a staycation. This was done to us through fucking incompetence. Oh, I, now I got to put an explicit tag on this. Whatever. Um, I'm not going to. Sorry if you're listening to the kids. Um, point is, the point, there is a point. Uh, I'm saying this for my for my sake. I'm saying it for your sake. This is me in the coaching mode. Um, this is not the new normal. We are in the raw now. We don't have to have the answer. We do need to keep asking the questions. We don't need to get hung up on any one question. And above all else, don't trust anyone who says that they've got the answer right now. Cause everybody is full of bullshit right now, including me, including you. No one knows what's going on truly. All right. Now that doesn't mean I don't think we should listen to scientists or anything of that nature. I think we very much should, but science is about having hypotheses, hypotheses, looking for evidence, testing those hypotheses through experimentation, and then adapting your theories based on the evidence, not on adapting the evidence based on your theories. Okay. So. Keep to the process. Know that it's messy right now. Let it be messy. Know that others are out there looking for answers as well. And it's okay to not know. And it's really good to get together with other people who don't know, admit that you don't know, and then start finding better questions. Okay. And we're going to be doing some of that in the future. Um, as soon as it's calm enough around here for me to have a thought that lasts longer than two minutes, we will get some AMAs going. Uh, we are looking at doing some convenings uh, in the next, uh, maybe not, maybe not the month of May, but we're looking a little ahead and saying, like, well, when can we start bringing people together? Uh, and there will be some stuff, uh, some stuff that's you know semi-public, uh, where we're going to do some convenings uh, as we go. So um, before we do anything that's public. It's a long road, and uh, I'm I'm glad you're here on it with me. Um, that's definitely true for the team and for everyone who's stuck around, and particularly if you're listening at this point. Um, seriously, thank you. It means a lot. Let me know you heard this. <laughs> it feels weird sometimes talking to a microphone um, and not hearing anyone on the other side. All right. Until next time, I'll catch you on the flip. Oh, wait. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta do the the things. <laughs> Sorry. No sign-off there. Something else we forgot to do earlier. Uh, the sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kidkin, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, and Brittany, the music... For No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The Speakeasy Society. I really can't talk these days. It's driving me nuts. Um, you know, a whole other story. Until next time, I'll catch you on the flip.